beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's... uh. It's an exciting time of year for a lot of reasons. We uh, last week talked about a zero IBU beer and where New York State ranks among U.S. craft beers. Uh, plenty to get to, but um, our company, Intercom, our station just launched a beer. Beer, yeah. Game time L from uh, the, you know the craft beer thing and all that is such a big deal that now radio stations make beer apparently. Or, yeah, yeah. But uh, Hamburg Brewing is doing. It. You know the guys at Hamburg pretty well. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a beer. Yeah. And I can tell you this, like. I had a little bit of the, pro, you know, a little bit of input in the process, and I think there should be some sort of like, like fantasy football is you pretend to be a GM and you put together a team and they win, and you're like, that's mm-hmm. that's fun. I mean, like fantasy brewing. I do a lot of fantasy yeah. brewing, it's, it's, and I used to kind of tease uh, my brother and a couple other employees because I kind of turned them on to doing the same thing. And what I would do is I would start pulling up a bunch of recipes on you know some type of brewing calculator spreadsheet and i would start putting these beers together and and because they would give you kind of an idea of the the final product you'd kind of look at these all we'll say potential teams here Mm -hmm. so these potential pairings of you know you know base malts and specialty malts to get a certain color or trying to fit in certain hops and whole ounce amounts you didn't have any leftovers uh to get the right bittering amount and then you would kind of pick one of the couple fantasy beers yeah so you put your dream team together you put a couple of them and then you know pick the one you would go with and then like if you're doing it from an individual beer standpoint i i think like so many different comparisons i think of how the military gets a plane the government says like we need a plane that can do this and then all these companies try and build that plane for this game time out the idea was all right we want a beer that people will like to drink that tastes like a craft beer that tastes good you can drink one or two or several like a yeah, drinkable, went right to the pale ale. Right, exactly. Like a drinkable pale ale. And, you know, we went down the first time. I had a chance to test it. And, like, this is okay. This is good. Initially, it was a red. It wasn't a pale ale. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it got tweaked. And, uh, yeah, so there's a game time pale ale. I'll bring one in next week because I thought we had one in the building, but we, we don't right now. Yeah. So I'll bring one in for you next week and uh, have you taste it and have you give you a review. I, yeah. It's pretty good. It's like. Drinkable. Hamburg says some great stuff. I they, love their tropical. Yeah, the Roots Pale Ale. That one was uh, has been really great this summer, especially with all the hot weather. And it kind of is um, very similar to what I've been making uh, myself. There's a lot of new hops with these new tropical or you know passion fruit or melon flavors. Um, I want to try the new hops, but I also want something that I can go through fairly fast in the summer. So I've been doing a lot of extra pale ales and small batches to kind of try out some of the new hops. And uh, oh, was I just going to say about it? Anyway, drinkability. That's, you know, that's... It's key. It's, it's very key. key. factor during this time of year. I right. mean, we've had a couple of nice cool days here, which, you know, can, you know, make us appreciate our normal summers. So, you know, we haven't really had a normal summer as far as weather, and we haven't had any cool days to go back to some of the bigger, stronger beers. Um, so we've really utilized these light uh, pale ales. Yeah. And every once in a while, like, people ask me, like, what's my favorite beer? And the answer is, I have no idea. How could you pick... Yeah, I I feel like the more you know about beer, the more you try beer, the harder of a question that gets. And people who don't drink a lot of craft beer or don't brew, they'll just ask you. Yeah. If you like IPAs, they'll ask, what is your favorite hop? Maybe I can give them a three-hop combination I'm fond of at the moment, but I can't really say, oh, you know. Yeah, like I love stouts. What's your favorite stout? Uh, I have no idea. 
Yeah. I'm buying different. I, I see a new one, I'll buy it. I'll try it. I know a couple that I like. Um, but yeah, it comes down to what kind of mood am I in? And for football, you know, we're getting closer to football season. We'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, like brewing your own beer. What kind of beer to brew for a tailgate that's going to be a hit with a lot of people? Yeah. And the pale ale is good because it has a little bit of hop, a little bit of bitterness. And so if you have a little bit of spicy food, it's not going to uh, kind of back down. It's going to help clear that palate. Yep, yep, very good. So cool. Look for it on shelves. I think people around uh, the station here are pretty excited about that. And we like to support local breweries, whether it's Hamburg or uh, Resurgence. I know they're doing, they've got their big event yeah, coming yeah. up. So they're doing uh, the Dude Hate Cancer again. So they're hosting that event. Um, if you're a brewer, they still have some spots available for entry. So what you do is you bring down a keg or 55 bottles if you're going to go through all that. So you bring down a five-gallon batch of beer. You're donating it. Um, you sit there. You serve it to people. You talk about it to the people trying it. Uh, and they vote on their favorite beer. And whoever gets the most votes at the end of the day is totally judged just by the kind of crowd uh, ends up winning. And so if you're a brewer who doesn't really brew to style or you only brew really weird beers, this might be the competition for you. But they also need beer judges. So if you want to judge, just show up with a $25 donation uh, to benefit the leukemia research uh, and come to Resurgence Brewing Saturday, August 19th at 12 noon. And $25 at the door, you're a beer judge. It's kind of like the Taste of Buffalo kind of setup yeah. where you, if you're a judge, where you get to taste them all and then you write down what you like and it's based on that. So it. not like BJCP guideline kind no. of judging competition, just a flat out which one did people that came like the best. Yes. Which is cool. I mean, you get yeah. to drink all the beer, and you get to have a little bit of a say in it. Yeah. First time I showed up to this, I brought a traditional English mild. Nobody knew what it was. <laughs> um, it kind of got surpassed by, I believe, a, a coconut pineapple beer uh, and a beer being poured through a funnel of cocoa beans. So if you have a little bit of you know extra show with your beer that you can do there, a little bit of showmanship to kind of show off the flavors, that might help in a competition like this, too. Very good. I'm just looking at the schedule, checking on the 19th, see what I've got going on. And that looks like it might work. Yeah. Yeah. The Premier League season starts, and uh, my team plays that morning. So, hey, uh, the dude hates cancer. $25 donation to benefit leukemia research uh, to Resurgence Brewing. Uh, that's Saturday the 19th at noon. So still spots available for brewers. And if you're a drinker, do it up. Uh, any updates on supplies? Uh, we're talking. We talked last week about cryo hops. Those are in. Those are in. We had the cell sheet. Like we we learned everything that we could learn from the from the manufacturer. One week later, do you know anything more about them? Have you had any sort of feedback? Um, a little bit of feedback. One thing that we didn't get ahead of time that we were kind of surprised is when we were looking at um, kind of cell sheets, it didn't have alpha acids on there, and so uh, I had actually not handled much of it myself. And so when we got out of the show last week, I went into work and I started kind of picking through those. The alpha acid is pulled over as part of the extraction hops. So we're worried about the sustainability, how long it was going to last in package. It has a double the alpha acid of a, you know, normal pelletized hop. So it's going to be okay. It's going to be shelf stable. Um, uh, but it also, if you're trying to get clean bitterness, this is also going to really help. So not just for finishing in aroma, which is where they kind of really sold the hops and they, where they kind of pointed you to on all the cell sheets. But once we actually got it in-house, it's got a lot of alpha acid. Gotcha. So we're, we're kind of interested to try it out. Um, I was you know, talking about making a light pale ale just to try to get something on, but I think we should go for a full IPA with the cryo hops. I wonder why they didn't decide to go all out like that, why they would focus on the one 
just like the one end of it versus, you know. That's what people are excited about. That's the kind of okay. trend, we'll say. And I think that's where home brewers are, ex- you know, spending most of their dollars. And commercial brewers, too. Or dollars that they don't have to spend. Um, if you go and look on, like, Homebrew Talk or some of the other websites, you see actually a lot of commercial brewers on there. And so you're kind of able to match up some of the process, especially from, like, we'll say Trillium um, Treehouse. Their mm-hmm. brewers are on forums a lot. And so you can see what they're talking about and you can get a can and try it if you can get a can of those two beers it ends up in the long run that homebrewers trying to get this intense you know fruit punch in their beer end up throwing in we're talking about oh say a pound is crazy 10 ounces you're getting kind of normal um and that's a lot we're talking about hops that are not cheap we're talking about mosaic or galaxy or idaho seven stuff that's three dollars to four dollars an ounce not just your two dollar ounces of cascade and columbus that used to be traditional um so if you have 10 ounces you're spending 30 dollars you're matching the cost of your grain bill um to get the hops that you want to finish at you know three dollars to 350 an ounce and at double the potency and you should also get much more extraction so you really shouldn't be using i think you know, half as much. You might be using a third to try to get the same flavor. That's going to save you a lot of money. And it's also going to save you beer, too, because you don't have half a pound of plant matter, like, you know, like (laughs) crushed leaves, basically, if you have never brewed, sitting in the top of your fermenter, soaking up your beer, giving you wonderful flavor, but also taking away some of your beer. So the less, you know, plant matter you're going to put in there, the more beer, the more liquid you're going to get in the long run. All right. Great. Cryo hops in now and Citra, Cascade, Mosaic, Simcoe, and what's the other one? I don't know how to say Equinox. that. Equinox. All right, very good. So um, before we get anything else, winemaking as well. Full We're starting for to that. get a lot of people coming in for winemaking, and I, a lot of winemakers, you know, I hear them say, especially online, that they wish they could get the advice that home brewers get. Um, now that home brewing is so popular with the you know the load of literature um, and the load of information that you can source from other hobbyists online, uh, if you're a winemaker and you're looking for that, you must not have found us yet. Come into Niagara Tradition. We all make wine as well. We don't talk about it maybe as much on the radio show, partially because there's not as much interest in it right now. Um, but we do have a lot of information all in one place. We have a good section of tried and true literature on winemaking, some of the kind of newer books that are getting into the really technical aspect of it, as well as some kind of armchair reading that kind of give you the basics. And we also have all the equipment in one place. So if you're going with one gallon batches of fruit wine from something you're harvesting from the backyard, or you're buying, you know, gallons upon gallons, 100 gallons from local markets or places like that of juice or grapes uh we have you know crushers that go down from four liters all the way up to i think 50 gallons so if you want to crush 50 gallons of grapes all at once uh and we have fermenters ranging in size from one gallon all the way up to 15 and more uh so if you're a winemaker and you're looking for a one-stop shop to get both your equipment uh, and your information, knowing you're getting the best prices out there, uh, you know, stop into Niagara Tradition or hit us up online. Check out our prices, ask us a question, and come in if you need some more help. All right. And regular schedule, nothing new for a while, nothing till Labor Day. You guys are open Saturdays to 11, 10 to 10 4. 4. 10, 10 to 4. 10 to 4, and Monday through Friday, 11 to 7. All right. Let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk about how and why to use a pump. I know it's been something you've uh, had on the slate for actually a couple weeks. We haven't ever had a chance to get to. So how and why to use a pump 
for your, uh, well, your general purposes. You might want to know how or why. That's up next here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back here to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. All right, so how and why to use a pump? That is our topic du jour, the meat of our show today. Yeah. And so a pump is something that most home brewers don't have. And for a long time, uh, there weren't pumps available for commercial brewers too. So uh, in old world commercial brewing, gravity was a big limiting factor. If you look at old breweries, especially before electricity, uh, before like inline, um, like rotary pumps, uh, they would be very tall buildings. And the reason for that is that gravity or horses were doing all the work to move stuff up or down the brewery. Um, So when you wanted to get the water and you wanted to get the grain up, you would literally use a horse-powered crane or winch to pull the grain up to the top floor. And then you'd use a horse-powered pump to slowly wheel water up to the top floor of the brewery. Hot liquor tank would be in the top floor and it's also one of the hotter parts of the brewing, so that's kind of nice. The water would then flow down into the mash room, or louder, and then it would go down uh, to the kettle. Your fermentation facilities would be under that, and then if you had any conditioning space, it would possibly be underground. And yet again, the horses were moving that beer out of the brewery. And there's still a lot of traditional English brewing companies um, that do this by choice. Uh, one that I toured once was uh, Hook Norton Brewing Company, mm-hmm. uh, and they had you know pasture for their horses. Um, they had a couple sets of them, and they still brought fresh casts around town every morning by horse and carriage. And so you knew when the beer was getting delivered because you could hear the horses walking down the street. So it was, it was Hence very... Hence those famous commercials. Yes, yes. I, I don't think a lot of your Budweiser is being well, you know, but, but delivered still, by horses Well, but still, I think anymore. that's what they want to kind of... That's they, they, the, that's that's the, the tradition, image. yeah, that they're trying to get at. And it does still exist places. Uh, and again, those horses were, you know, key. They were the motor of the uh, brewing company. And they were oftentimes fed the kind of leftover grain and stuff like that that was coming out of the... Uh, you know, out of the brewing company. But pumps kind of changed everything. Um, the luxury to kind of move water and then hot wort, you know, horizontally up around into another building really was kind of a game changer uh, for brewing companies. Not only did it kind of reduce the wear on the back of the brewer and then the backs of the horses as well, um, but it also changed the beer a little bit. It also improved the beers, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, off flavors from the mash, kind of reduce some of those, but also improve the efficiency, allowing brewers to get um, more liquid out of their kettle and more sugar out of their mash. 
Um, so as a home brewer will say, a pump is kind of one of those, they'll say, top-tier purchases. There's a lot of other things you should probably be looking at um, as time savers, such as a kegging system, which we highlight a lot. If you're going to bottle, bottle washer, stuff like that, an easy primary fermenter, a fermentation chamber, all these things I would say you should have before you should look at a pump. But if you're an all-grain brewer, you kind of have all these other gadgets, and it's just kind of putting a wear on your back on an all-grain brew day. So you start off, you got to get the mash higher than your kettle. You got to get the hot liquor higher than the mash. So now you have a table or maybe three sawhorses set up, and you have this kind of tiered system, kind of mimicking those English brewing companies in order to get everything down. But you have to physically lift it up there. Um, as soon as home brewers started using pumps, you started to see a lot of these horizontal brew systems, these tabletop like the Sabico and stuff like that, or some of the Blickman like brew easies or tower setups that were only two stages high. And pumps really is what allowed you to do that. So the first thing you can do with a pump is you can begin to recirculate your mash. By recirculating your mash, you're going to give yourself better efficiency and you're going to have more temperature control. We always say that you don't want to stir the grain. And the reason you don't want to do that is, one, you're going to kind of disturb the kind of granular filter that you've made with your mash. So all that grain is sitting there, and it's collecting bits of particles that slowly stratify throughout the mash so that when you pull the wart off the mash, it's nice and clear. Well, if you stir, you disturb all those layers, and you put all these solids back into the water. If you can recirculate the water from top to bottom, you're moving the molecules around. You're increasing the chances of amylase enzyme running into a starch and turning it into sugar. You're also keeping the temperature. You're kind of stirring it without creating the friction between the grain that's really going to give you those kind of, you know, folic acid and kind of overly tannic beers, all these really kind of husky, bitter flavors. Um, and that really allows you to get better efficiency. So most brewers, I would say, 5 to 10% jump when getting a pump in efficiency. Um, and you're also going to see a lot uh, more control. So if you're trying to do really thin beers, you're trying to do, you know, beers where you're really uh, using your mash to kind of control your, you know, finishing gravity. These are especially true on beers on the lighter end of gravity. Um, the pump's really going to help you out. Um, so you're going to be able to keep even temperature. You're going to be able to keep everything recirculating. It's going to reduce your chances of a stuck sparge when you go to finally open up the mash tun. Um, it's also going to help you in the kettle as well. So the other thing you see and you hear a lot of home brewers doing is whirlpooling. And now you can do this if you get in there with a brew paddle and you try to be really, really gentle. Um, but it's better to use a pump. And all you do is you start to chill the beers. It starts to come down. You pull it out the bottom and then you put it in the top facing 90 degrees to the side. So you create a whirlpool. And what happens is all the solids end up down at the bottom of the fermenter. And as they're sitting there getting compacted, they're pushing water out. That's beer. And that means you're getting a little bit more liquid and you're leaving more solids. So more mess behind in the kettle, not in the fermenter to kind of start, you know, blowing up all over the place. So that's what a pump gets you. Mm -hmm. Now comes the difficult part. You got to buy a pump and you got to hook it up. <laughs> um, and they're not all equal. There's a lot of different ones out there. And I'm going to kind of focus on the three that home brewers kind of use. And that is the um, chugger pump, which would be, we'll say, the standard 
um, the uh, new Blickman Riptide, uh, and the Warthog pump. So there's a couple advantages and disadvantages to both of them. Let's first talk about the motor. So on the um, March pump and on the, or I'm sorry, March or Chugger pump and on the Blickman pump, they have a brushed um, non-sealed bearing motor. So that means that the motor has to be upright. You can change the pump head, so you can change where the inlet and outlet are, but the pump really should be upright. And you're going to have to oil it about once a year, depending on how often you brew, and definitely once before the first use. Um, that's fairly easy. They're also kind of noisy. You know, they have a big fan that pulls in air that cools them, as well as you have these brushes and a pretty big motor. They make a lot of noise, um, which is not too problem. There's a lot of other things making noise in, you know, most brew setups. Um, but they also require that kind of daily maintenance and that orientation. Now, if you look at, like, the Warthog pump, that uses a DC brushless motor, similar to the motor you would find in most, like, power tools or cordless drills. Um, that means there's no maintenance, and it's a lot quieter. You use a little bit of flow and a little bit of torque, but it's a lot quieter, a lot less maintenance. It does have an external power supply, similar to an old laptop. So you have this kind of, you know, brick power supply that converts, obviously, you know, your 120 AC into 12-volt DC for the motor. Um, but again, a lot quieter. So you have the chugger pump. This is standard, pretty simple. Um, you have the Blickman Riptide and the Warthog all have half-inch MPT fittings. But the Blickman, the head, is a tri-clamp fitting as well as it has a pressure release valve on it. And what that allows you to do is bleed out any air that's building up in the pump head and allows you to prevent any capitation and losing your flow. So normally when you hook up a pump, you're going to have your liquid coming in. Um, and then you need to have water coming out. And you want that either to be horizontal or up and a lot of brewers will put in a second port there so that they can bleed off any air if they get any in the system. Um, the Blickman has that on a nice kind of pull tab. Pull it until you see liquid, let the tab go, and you're flowing again. Um, so whenever you buy a pump, they're all about $150. I want to say the Blickman is about $190 or $175, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in there. It's a little bit more than your average pump. You're going to have a lot of fittings that you're going to want to buy. You're going to need to have fittings that come out of your mash tun, your kettle, um, that are usually some type of quick connect. So we sell CPC um, as well as the Blickman quick connects, which we really like. There's also, you know, if you want to have the look of a commercial brewing company, you can get mini cam locks and you can get mini tri clamps out of there. But either way, you're going to need two sets of fittings for your mash tun to get the water in and out, and you're going to need two sets of fittings for your kettle if you want to use it there as well to get it in and out. And sometimes, depending on the fittings you buy, they're actually going to be the bigger purchase. I went with the CPC to rig my entire system. I want to say it was about $108 with tax. So I spent $150 on the pump. I got the chugger pump. I figured I would go with the standard. I would go with what m most brewers were using. Um, and I also went with the CPC, which are not as common uh, in the U.S. homebrewing, but are more common in New Zealand, Australia. I like that they're plastic. A lot of people say, aren't they going to wear? And it's yes, but I don't need gloves to handle them. When they're 212 degrees, I can just put my hands right on them. Uh, they're insulated. So that's a big advantage, as well as they have stopcocks in them as well. So that means I don't have to play with my valve valves between flow. 
And the other thing you're going to need, even if you plan to just do hose barb to hose barbs, you're going to need one extra ball valve to control the flow coming out of the pump. If you try to control the flow coming out of the mash tun or coming out of the kettle, you're going to create a vacuum, which is going to pull gas out of the beer. You're going to get capitation and you're going to lose flow. So there's a couple added costs with the pump. They are a big back saver. They are kind of a headache to get it hooked up, to get all the lines the right length. Um, I initially hard plumbed uh, with stainless steel pipe. I will never do that again. Um, while it looks great and for the first couple times using it were easy, cleaning it was an SOB. Uh, and as soon as I wanted to change out my mash tun back to my old mash tun, nothing fit. So I had to go to at first braided hose. Uh, and then I went to silicone hose. I would advise any brewers to go right to the silicone hose and skip over the braided. I haven't had any of the problems of pulling the silicone hose to such a vacuum where I collapse it. Uh, and I have deadheaded it plenty of times. It seems like, I mean, you're given a lot of information here. A lot of this might lead to a couple follow-up questions. I think so. So if people come it to is- the store, you, like you can, is it easier to help and to demonstrate if you can visually show yeah. people the differences and like what... What the alternatives are? We have them all set up on a shelf. You can show how we set ours up with a simple setup and how we clear um, any air out of our system. Um, It's definitely something I would advise kind of doing a lot of research on before you go head into it. The pump, actually, I would say, while there's the nice features on the Blickman, really as far as function and reliability, they're all just about equal, um, partially because they all use some of the same parts. But the really thing that's going to be tedious is how you're hooking it up to your brewing system and how you're planning to clear out that air. So what we did is we just changed the orientation of our head. We put it up. So if we have any air in system, it naturally flows up and out. Um, I don't see why everybody doesn't do that, but everybody's not me. I like that. It works easily for me. Um, You do see some people putting another valve on there, particularly for bleeding out air. So they have a T-valve coming out of the pump. One controls their flow, and one is just a bleeder line to get any air out of the system. Um, I just go with the upright orientation. So the liquid comes in the bottom and goes out the top. Any air is going to flow right up and out of the system. It's not going to try to go backwards. All right. How to use a pump, why to use a pump. And you asked me if this was enough for I know. one show. That's a, I, apparently, there's a lot in there. Yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. We're back again next week. Any plans for next week? It's uh, National Mead Day, so okay. we actually do have some plans. Very good. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit. We've talked about mead making in general last National Mead Day. Uh, this National Mead Day, we'll get into fast mead making, kind, okay. of, kind of the new school of mead making. That is next week. We'll see you then here on Niagara Traditions, Just Brew It. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.